Welcome back, St. Joseph Evangelization Network. We're here to talk about evangelization. Deacon, I'm an accountant. I don't know what I'm doing, and 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 this is not my gig. What do you what do you, what do you say? Well, I I'm a criminal defense attorney and a divorce <laughs> lawyer. What am I doing here, right? But but I'm here because Jesus is my friend. I'm here because I've heard His voice. I'm here because I'm spreading the good news. I'm spreading it pretty thin sometimes, but I'm spreading it because I love Jesus, and I want you to love Him too, and I want you to feel His love too. And I want you to hear this program or see it because we're all over the place. Don't think there's going to be a constant, consistent theme other than we got to spread the news. But listen, watch it. You're going to love it. Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, thank you, Matt, and uh, I am your host today, Peter Karutz. We're live in studio with Deacon Tom Burke. Deacon, so good to have you here. Great to see you again, Peter. And it's good to be back. I've been gone for a couple of weeks. Yeah. I, I, I had a short trip to the other side of the world, went to the Holy Land. Went to the Holy Land. Holy smokes, let me tell you. <laughs> but today, we're going to be speaking about evangelization from an intimacy of Christ. So... Uh, and if you went to Mass this morning, you heard a little bit about the theme of the story. It's that parable of uh, the two, two people in the temple praying, kind of, on their own for their own needs or from their, from their own perspective. How about that? Yeah, well, what, what, if you don't mind, let's start in prayer for just a minute. Well, right? we better. Is that all right? Please. All right, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, good and gracious God, the God of our hearts, the God of our breaths, Thank you so much for being with us, for your care of us and your thoughts of us. We want to be closer to you, so we ask you to please send your Holy Spirit to drive our hearts and drive our desires closer and closer to your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Deacon. Sometimes I forget the whole praying thing, and then we're in trouble, right, halfway through it. Well, maybe not in trouble as much as just to say uh, if, if, if every breath is a prayer, we're in good shape. But it's also nice to do, bring our, our minds into it too, right? Yeah. Isn't that good? So tell me about this evangelization thing. Well, uh, you know, as soon as I say evangelization, there's, certain, there's a certain group of people might be listening to this and say, Okay, I'm switching the channel. I'm not going to listen to this. I'm tired of hearing about that big word. I really don't feel equipped to do it. I don't really feel like I've been called to do it. God is going to have to make this chair crack and me fall down on the floor before Be that happens. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm just not going to do that. But, you know, if somebody came up to me and forced me to do it, I would be happy to evangelize because I really love Jesus. Jesus Jesus is my guy. And, uh, you know, the... the uh, uh, the reason why it struck me so so powerfully uh, as a topic was because uh, I feel that we're all called to that. We all have that mission, that 
baptismal mission that we all receive. Did, did you know, Peter, that you got a mission when you were baptized? That's right. Right. And, yeah. and do you know what that mission is? Well, I've always said that we are, you said you don't know if you're called. Well, I say if you were baptized, you are called to be a missionary. You, okay. know, you were baptized. What, what happened when we were baptized? We were anointed. Right? With a holy chrism. So who, who is anointed? And people who are anointed in the, uh, in the ancient times and Old Testament were, were priests. Prophets and prophets kings. Prophets and kings. So we're, we're anointed. We are here to be God's hands and feet and voice. So yeah, you are called. Yeah, yeah. So, so and, if you're, and if, if you're out there somewhere and you're, and you're curious, you're, you're saying, well, you know, uh, uh, no one's ever come up to me and said, uh, this is your mission. Or, or at the time, I got a, I got, a, I could go look at my baptismal candle up. It would be very old now if I could even find it. And on there, maybe there's something written in Sanskrit that says what my mission is. But actually, that's none of that. Uh, if if we're curious as to what our mission in the world is today, right now, not our mission two years from now, not what our mission used to be, then we all need to do just one thing: ask Him. Ask our Lord Jesus Christ, what is on your heart for me today? What is my mission today? Now, you may get something that's far-reaching. You may get a Mother Teresa moment. You may be put in your heart to go to Calcutta. But, and, and some people fear that. But most of us, it's not going to be that way. Most of it's my mission will be to be a faithful husband. Uh, my, motion, my mission will be a, a good father. My mission will be to reach out to the poor in some way. And, and if we ask him, he will tell us. And, of course, you know what he commands, he empowers. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And think of it like a door. You know, if, if you have a door that's shut and you have every ability to open it, if that door is shut, it's going to remain shut. And if it's you shutting the door to um, sharing God's good news, the Lord's good news, he'll respect that. But, you know, just in a, as a door, if you open it a little bit, you're, you're going to get a little breeze in. You don't have to open it a lot, but you'll get a little breeze in, right? And, and the Lord will speak to you. And when you, when you swing it wide open, when you do that prayer that you were talking about, Lord, tell me what you want, you're going to feel the full force of, of, of the Lord. And, and you know what? You're going to say, I don't know how to do it. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. But if you are open to the Lord working in your life and you ask him, it's going to happen. It will happen. I know in most of my life, my, uh, I, I had a good relationship with the Lord, I think, but my door was closed. I didn't want to talk about it to anybody. I didn't want to do anything. I wanted to, this is my, you know, I go to Mass, I pray, you know, it's just me and him. But once I cracked the door, he, he found ways to use me, I think, and, um, and he will you too. But open the door just a little bit, just a crack. And then if you're really brave, say that prayer. Oh, well, i also like to suggest to you, I'm so glad you brought that door up. You know, uh, one of the visuals that I might have everybody here think of is a door with the handle on your side. Okay? Yeah, right. Uh, and uh, uh, Jesus is knocking on that door, and he wants to come in. And so many of us think that, well, I've, I've, and certainly I've felt this before, uh, I've sinned too much, I've strayed too far, I'm, I haven't been to church in a long time. I certainly don't even remember how to do a, do a reconciliation with a priest for, in the confessional. I, I don't really hear his voice resonating with me. And, and that door is pretty well shut. And what's leaned up against that door, if we can continue that metaphor, is a, a whole knapsack full of our regrets, our sins, 
are I should haves. Okay, and that's propped up against the door. And it's pretty hard to open that door. We've all, if, if anybody who's been like me, who's been redeemed by the love of Jesus Christ and lives the life of redeemed, would be able to turn to people and say, wow, that's such a heavy, heavy backpack, that heavy knapsack against that door. I just can't pull that door open and let him in. And yet all we have to do, all we have to do is say, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent of my sins. I choose you now. I choose to repent and no longer choose my sins. That moves that knapsack out of the way and opens the door to the mercy and love of Jesus to come into our lives. And I just said like two sentences, right? And, and, and it wouldn't even have to be that long, but I'm verbose. You know, you could just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Op- I've opened the door of my heart to you. I turn myself over yeah, to yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what does Jesus think about a person like you or a person like me who's, who's all you know, full of sin? And I, 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 we, we talked about this this morning in our men's group. But think about the Last Supper. So our, our Lord is, uh, washes the feet of the apostles. Who are these people? He, he, he washed their feet. He calls them friends, right? But who are they at that moment? within the foreseeable future in the day or so, one of them will deny him three times. Another one will betray him, causing his death. Nine of them will abandon him. And what does he do? He washes their feet. With full knowledge of what's going to happen. With full knowledge of what's going to happen. And he calls them friends. And then the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, Judas comes and kisses him betrays him with a kiss. And he says, friend, even in the moment of betrayal, our Lord is seeking him out. Our Lord loves us where we're at. He meets us where we're at, right here, right now. So don't you think that you're not worthy, you're not ready. Our Lord loves you right now, right where you're at. He wants more for you, but he's with you right now. So, so I, I, what a great image. And, and I'd like to add to that something that I heard Dr. Mary Healy say at a conference, and it's so true if you look at it, is that, is that God loves you, Peter, and there's nothing you can do about it. Okay? <laughs> yeah. I mean, God is love, and, and he's not going to change himself. You're not going to change God. Can't. Okay? And, and he's not going to change himself because of your sins. And he loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it. And, and many people would feel the way that I certainly did. I go to the confession after many, many years of stepping away from the church, and I come back into confession, and, and I tell the priest— all the uh, couple decades worth of stuff or more, uh, and as much as I could remember. And he gives me, like, I don't remember exactly now, but he gives me two Our Fathers and a Hail Mary, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And don't sin no more. And I'm like, I'm like... Did you go to sleep while I was telling you about all these sins? Do you know? Do you honestly look at me? Do you know what I have done and what I've failed to do? The answer is yes. And he goes, yes, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. So, So Jesus is, you know, first of all, why would Jesus come to my door and knock on it in the first place? He comes to my door always beckoning, always wanting to be with me, always going to do that. And then we get to the two people we've talked about now, the uh, the tax collector. Uh, and, and to refresh everybody's memory, Jesus says, here's a parable that I'll tell all of you in order for the, to justify those people who have been, who in their mind thinks it's 
justified. And I, and I was hoping if, if, if we could, Peter would cue that up and, and, and recite it for us today. Go the, ahead. The, the reading? Yeah, do the reading. The, oh, the gospel right. this reading is, of Luke. All right, we're going to give it a good shot. No glasses. Uh, so it's from Luke chapter 18. Jesus addresses this parable to those who were, convene, who were convinced of their own righteousness and uh, despised everyone else. And a quote, here's what our Lord's saying. Two people went up to the temple area to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee took up his position, I imagine up in front, and spoke this prayer to himself. <laughs> oh God, I thank you that I am not like the rest of humanity, greedy, dishonest, adulterous, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pray, I pay tithes on my whole income. But the tax collector stood off at a distance and would not even raise his eyes to heaven. But he beat his chest, he beat his chest and he prayed, O oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, the latter went home justified, not the former. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So, you know, you talked here a few minutes ago. I love that uh, the gospel of the Lord prays to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What a, what a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, gut check for us. You just talked about, uh, you know, I've sinned too much. I've been too far or whatever. But, but the, uh, uh, you know, certainly the Pharisee wasn't saying that, right? No. He was saying, uh, I, I haven't sinned that much. I, I'm okay. You know, I'm good. I, I, I'm, you know, uh, if in our lives, how many times have I walked up to you on the street, Peter, and said, how are you doing? You go, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Or have I said, hey, you need some help with something? No, I got this. Don't worry about it. And God comes to our door. Jesus comes to our door and he knocks and he says, I'm knocking on the door because I know you don't got this. I know that you're not good. I know who you are. Let me come in. Let me come in with my divine healing power and show you who you are to me. Totally loved, totally accepted, totally empowered to do the mission that I want you to. Think of yourself in a house. And you're, you're in this room, and that's where you are in your sin, right? I, I, that's where I do all my sin. This is the sinful room, right? And I don't want to go through this door because I know God is in that door, and I will have to face him, face this sin, and I will have to tell him all of this terrible stuff that I've done when the reality is the, the room, the house, has no roof. And our Lord is looking in. He knows who you are. He knows where you're at. He knows everything you've done. And he's just waiting waiting. He's like the father in that parable, in that other parable, running to meet. Oh, he just takes... Oh, the prodigal son. The huh? prodigal son. But yeah, it's the father who is running to meet him. The, the son thinks he's, he's in desperate trouble. He's never be forgiven. Just treat me as a servant. But, you know, God knows everything you've done. He's just, he's loving you already. He's, he's, he's dying to, running to meet you, running to meet you. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you from uh, St. Louis, Missouri. I have to figure out where I'm at. I'm your host, Peter Karutz, and we are in studio live with 
Deacon Tom Burke, and we're talking about evangelization through an intimacy of Christ. Now, we, we've kind of mixed a couple of parables. We up, have. In the prodigal son, the thing that I, th- I think is wonderful that you're bringing our attention to is, is the prodigal son is rehearsing as he's coming back yeah, to the father. Yeah, yeah. I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you. Treat me as one of your hired hands. Don't treat me as a son anymore. I'm not worthy to be treated as a son. So he actually gets to the father. The father runs out to him, saw him from a long, far distance. And just like that distance with the roof over our head, you know, ripped away, and yeah. and 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 uh, heaven is open up, and God's looking down at us, and and he, but the, the the father runs out to him, and the son says that right, well rehearsed, and and the father disregards it, disregards it, doesn't acknowledge. Oh, you better wait a long time. Uh, you know, good stinking son. Where's all the money I gave you that you took off with? Did you invest it wisely? What what are you doing back here? He didn't say any of that. He totally ignored, in essence, I don't want to discount confession because it's very important, but he totally ignored the sins, okay? He, he is not as concerned about the son's sin as he's concerned about the son's heart. Yeah. And, of course, as we start talking about and proceed a little farther today, we're going to talk about that. You know, the intimacy that we have with Christ, that's what propels us to do that conversation. You know, when, that, when, the, when the, uh, the Pharisee, how intimate was the Pharisee? You know, he said, I got this. I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. I don't need anything. I'm self-sufficient. And I, as, as I was reflecting on this gospel, I was in adoration myself in the silence. And the Lord, and I thought, well, you know, so glad it doesn't really apply to me because I don't think I'm self-righteous. I, I certainly know that I'm, I'm a sinner. And the Lord's like, you don't know the half of it. You don't know the half of the love I have for you. Hmm. You don't know the half of who I want you to know you are. And that's what he says to each one of us in the silence. You know, and, and so then I was convicted, right? Then I realized that maybe I wasn't all the way over in the, in the pew with the Pharisee, but I certainly wasn't over in the pew with the tax collector either. And I needed to get to that pew. I needed to get to that place of silence. Because there's no doubt in my mind, and I'm going on and on, but what do you think? Do you think, Peter, which one of these people, the Pharisee who was talking about himself and how righteous he was, or the tax collector who said, I'm a sinner and I need your mercy. Which one, which one was more likely to listen to God in the silence? Well, the, the Pharisee wasn't, wasn't looking for an answer. He was from God. He was already given, given the answer. He, there was no question, uh, no request. Yeah. But, but for the tax collector, there was, there was a request. There was a... There was a, have mercy on me, a sinner. There was a prayer. There was a request. How was he going to know he was a sinner? How was he going to know he needed that mercy if he hadn't reached out to God in the silence, if he hadn't opened his heart up to God? The Pharisee wasn't going to open his heart because then he might have to change. Yeah, right. You know, he might have to stop being self-reliant. You know, I I commented on it to some people today in a homily that— uh, the Pharisee was in, in uh, stage four self-reliance. <laughs> he was all set. Yeah, he yeah. was the super Pelagianist. <laughs> yeah, he's stage four. He yeah. he he was so into self. I got this, and and so many of us are maybe not in stage four, but I I gotta admit sometimes I I I check in on Jesus when I need something. Uh, I I often have been accused in the past by the Lord in our, in our silent times of saying, why didn't you let me do more? Why did you take it all on mm. yourself? Why did you? Why were you in stage two self-reliance, so to speak? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the tax collector because you're making me think about him a little more. 
and when I when I think of him from a from a from a spiritual standpoint, I'm thinking of the prodigal son. So when and and this is all extra biblical. It's not there. I know that. But when this when this uh, son was coming back, he he must have been barefoot because it says that the father put shoes on his feet. So he traveled in barefoot. He was. He had lost all his money, so he wasn't well clothed. He wasn't well fed. It said he would have wanted to have the, you know, the husks that the, the, the swine were eating. So he was, he was probably dirty. So he was barefoot. He was battered. He was hungry, right? And what, what did that father do? You said that the, the son rehearsed the stuff, and he probably said it, or at least a couple of words. But in my mind... I see my child coming to me, if it's my child, who's hungry and dirty and hurt and barefoot, I don't think I'd hear a thing. My arms would be wrapped around this child. And I think that's what our Lord was doing, wrapping, wrapping up that son. And, and that tax collector, he's praying for mercy, but what was our Lord doing? He was, he was, he, the father was going to this son and wrapping him up and hugging him and saying, it's okay. I love you, right? I think that's why our, uh, God gives us that image of father, right? So, so we, as, we can see the love that the father does have. Doesn't see the hurt. He sees the need. And, and this tax collector was just as hurt as that, that son physically was he, he was he's hurt spiritually and our Lord's grabbing him wrapping him up I, I, I love those two images as you're marrying them together and also also think about this think about the example the Lord gives us okay he picks uh, 12 guys that nobody else would pick <laughs> to be apostles right That's they have sure. no credentials so all those people out there right now that says you know I'm going to evangelize after I get a master's in, in, in theology Sure. Or divinity. I'm going to, or, or, or after I go through RCIA a couple of times to at least learn what the basics are. It's a great idea if you want to do that. But he didn't do that. He said, I'll take you wherever I find you, Peter, and I'll meet you in the silence. Remember when Peter betrayed him, Jesus rose from the dead. He meets him on the shore of Galilee where Jesus is making him breakfast, okay? Peter jumps out of the boat, and they have breakfast together. And then notice what happens. Jesus takes him aside silently. Did you pick up on that in the gospel? He takes him aside. You know, it is important for us to allow Jesus to take us aside, to be in that silent place with Jesus. And that's at the place where Peter was given the opportunity, like the tax collector, to open up his heart to Jesus, to say, you know, do you love me, Peter? Yes, I love you, Lord. And of course, he ratchets it up each time, and we're not really going to go through that so much. But isn't that neat? And then think about the other things Jesus does when he's risen, okay? He goes with the guys in Emmaus, and I know we're kind of walking through a really um, uh, uh, gaddling gun of, of, of Scripture here. But he goes with the two guys on their way to Emmaus. 
they're not going back with the other disciples. They're going away from where the Holy Spirit is going to come with the other disciples, going away to that from their, from their community, right? How many of us have done the same thing? Thought, gee, I, I thought it was going to be this kind of a, a relationship with Christ in church, and now I'm walking away from church. And Jesus comes in to their, to their spot, listens to their arguments, opens the scripture to them, and then gives them his very self in the breaking of the bread. And, and he, he doesn't turn to them and go, well, once you finally work your way back to Jerusalem, I'll show you who I am. He's dying on the cross to show us the love of the Father. He's desperate every day of our lives to show that intimacy of his heart with us. And I must say that a lot of times we put him off to the margins, decide not to be in that little silent spot. And yet, isn't that what Lent's about? Isn't that what Lent's about? Sure, you know. Yeah. So, so how's, uh, how's your Lent been for you? Have you been able to? Have you been able to carve out some time <laughs> for yourself and Jesus? That's not fair. Uh, I, I, I uh, you know, the, 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 Kelly has this little thing. He says, uh, I forget what his first name. He said uh, Matthew Kelly. You know, best Lent ever. Well, I, I just got back from two weeks in the Holy Land, so it's uh, it, it's incredible to to say the least. I mean, we, we'll have to do a a whole program on what went on in the Holy Land. But but yet, when you were telling me about going over there a few minutes before we came on the air, I, I'd love to hear more. But you, you were talking about, uh, you know, just the normal stuff that we talk about because we're friends. You know, the food was good, the wine was good, the company was good. And then you said some really neat stuff, and your eyes lit up, and there was an aura about you, and you were talking about being there on in the church uh, with the rock of the Garden of Gethsemane, and you were there alone, even though you were with other people, but it was late at night, and you were it was just you and him. We went there during the day. We went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and then in, in the church that they built around the rock where our Lord suffered his contemplation of what was going to happen to him, there, there's tons of people. So we got to go up, and I actually put my hand on the rock. Your hand on which rock? On the rock where our Lord was was praying for that those hours as he was waiting for the people to come and get him. And so help me understand this. The church is built... Around the rock. The rock. So, so the rock's like in the middle of the church? In the church. middle of the church. So you have the altar and then there's this rock. And there's a gazillion people there, right? But um, as we paced through and I got my turn and I got my hand on the rock for just a minute. And it was a, it was really a special, a really special moment. Um, and then later that night, uh, our guide said, well, I've, I've gotten an opportunity for us to go and do a holy hour at that church. So we got on the bus. We went over there. We walked whatever way we Before had you go there, yeah. why, did you, why didn't you just say, well, well, why? We were just there this afternoon. I, I touched the rock. I don't have to do that anymore, do <laughs> I'm I? Not, I'm not smart enough. <laughs> I mean, I thought I, I was kind of taken by surprise. I thought, holy smokes, we're going to be able to go and do a holy hour in this place. So I thought, yeah. oh, we got to go. So, so going back so to the Lord. We're, we're going back, and we pass the church, and the doors are, are locked. The lights are out. There's big gates in front of it. It's all locked up. And we said, you know, home, someone said, Monsignor, I hope you have a key. Well, there's no key. So we, the guy takes us around the back. We see the, the Garden of Gethsemane. We go down this path, and there's these two big black doors. 
and and I hear the music, and we're going to have to tell that story <laughs> when we come on back. But um, uh, and I will. But this is a program that we're doing about evangelization from the intimacy intimacy of Christ. And uh, I guess what we're trying to say is, look, if you ever heard that big word evangelization. It's a small word. Just open yourself up. Open the crack. Open the door just a crack. If you say, I'm willing, the Lord will find a way for you to do it. He'll make you his hands and his feet. He'll give you people to, 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 to see and to do. And just live your life. And people will come to you and ask you about the Lord. And you will tell them. So now your job is to go and tell a friend that this is a good program and you better come back and listen. We'll be back in about two minutes. Hi, this is Matt Logaman with St. Joseph Radio with a great gift idea, a St. Benedict bracelet, a trendy accessory for men, women, and children that not only looks good on everyone's wrist, but is actually armor for the spiritual battlefield. This unique bracelet is handmade in Europe and contains 10 medals within the braided cord in the adult size and seven medals in the children's size. On the front of each beautiful medal is St. Benedict holding a cross in his right hand, the object of his devotion. On the back of each medal is a cross. Surrounding the back of the medal and cross are the letters V. R-S-N-M-V-S-M-Q-L-I-V-B. In Latin reference, which translates, Be gone, Satan. Never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. And finally, located at the top is the word Pax, which means peace. All bracelets come packaged with an informational card and the St. Benedict blessing, which your local priest can administer. This gift is for everyone you love and care about, including yourself. Available from St. Joseph Radio. Check the website at www.saintjosephradio.net. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the pro-life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. And we're back. I'm your host, Peter Karutz, and we're here with Deacon Tom Burke. We're talking about evangelization from the intimacy of Christ. we got two quick announcements. Uh, it's still Lent. We still have the Lenten speaker, speaker th- series at St. Angela Marici. What a great church. That's in Florissant, Missouri. On the 24th and on the 31st, two last speakers. We have Mark Serafano. He's going to talk about Lent, the time to be gallant for Christ. And then our very own Deacon Thomas Burke, the third, no less, Forgiveness, you know, that's a mouthful, forgiveness. So please, St. Angela Marici, it's going to be right after 7 p.m. Stations of the Cross. It's a great way to finish up Lent. Um, We've got me to the door. I got you to the door. Anyway, so we're back We're back to the church, okay? And and the doors are In locked. Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, we are right across from the new gate. We, we go through this little path. It's dark. Let me tell you, dark and quiet. And we get to this door, big double black doors, and there's two Jerusalem crosses, if you know what that is. If you don't, look it up. It's really cool. I'll tell you the story about it later. So black crosses, all right? There's like 20, 28 of us there. And, and the guide goes to the door, and you hear him say, 
And, and it's like, well, what is this? It's like secret knock or something. So you know what happened? Nothing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> nothing. Nothing oh, happened. No. So another minute passes or so, and we're all standing there, you know. We're, uh, and then the door opens, and there's this Franciscan uh, speaking Italian, barefoot. And we walk into this church, and it's dark, and it's completely silent. Nobody's in there. And we walk in, and uh, it's about 25 after 7 at night. And, and there's these row of chairs right around the rock where our Lord suffered and passed his hour in contemplation. And early in the day, I had a minute, you know, just a second, literally, to put my hands on the rock. But then, during this time, during this holy hour or more, I was able to put both of my hands on the rock. And you, in order to do that, you have to go over this wrought iron railing that's, that's shaped and like a, a crown of thorns, black crown of thorns. And, and I passed my holy hour, and I said my rosary, and I brought my intentions that I had brought to the Holy Land. And I spent an hour more uh, with my hands on that rock. And, 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 this, and around it, you know, you've seen these old churches, the stone floors. Stone floors are hard, right? Cold. Cold. The stone. The stone was soft. I was not uncomfortable. I feel guilty about that. I should have been uncomfortable, right? I spent the hour there. But the, no, but you the stone was soft. And, and uh, I couldn't take my hands off the stone. It was, it was, a, it was an incredible hour. And, and, and the idea that, that somehow, in order to be connected to Jesus, we have to do, we have to climb the mountain, we have to whip ourselves, we have to, we have to, uh, to, to do extraordinary feats of, of penance. And if God calls you to that, then do it. But most of the people I know have done those things. They did it because they thought they had to for God to love them. And the, t- and the tax collector, I'm not putting you in the same boat necessarily, but the tax Good collector, did, he didn't do any of that. He just stood at a distance, as it says in the gospel, and beat his chest so he knew who he was and who, and who, God, who God is and who he was and who he was with God. Isn't that, isn't that extraordinary that that's really what Jesus wants us to know? He wants you to know in your heart who you are to God. And he wants you to know in your heart and your head who God is to you. And that's, that's the humility that Jesus talks about at the end of that gospel. He says, you know, those who exalt themselves will be humbled and the humbles be exalted themselves. And what he's really talking about is righteousness. Yeah. He's talking about in right relationship with God. I really want to be in right relationship with God because if I am, I've taken the path of intimacy with our Lord. Jesus wants to bring us to that intimacy in silence where the, where, where the tax collector found it. Maybe not even saying a word. I'm sure that while you're talking about being there in the church right there, the church of the Garden of Gethsemane and touching the rock, I am confident that part of your hour was spent in prayer, talking to God. But the way your face just looked as you were talking about it led me to believe that 
part of the hour was spent and God talking to you. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. And, you know, in that, it was, and I, I didn't say it, but it, it was silent in that church. It was an hour of silence. And I talked to my wife. I talk too much, right? She'll confirm that. But when you are quiet, you can listen. You know, you, you can listen. You can listen to what God has to say to you. And hey, if, if you don't want to listen to what God has to say, he's not going to beat you over the head. But if you're quiet and you ask, you, he, will, he will be there. And, and, and you know, you, you, you've said this a number of times, but I, I think it's, it's, it's worth to, to, to bring it home a little bit more. You know, that tax collector was begging for mercy. And on the other side of that mercy, our Lord was already there holding him and hugging him. And, and I think that's the image that we need to, to, to carry forward, that our Lord is not the guy with the hammer. He, he already knows what we did. He's already forgiven us. He's just waiting for us to, to, to find and accept that forgiveness. And what does he do as a father? He, 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 he holds us and uh, comforts us. I mean, he is our comfort. And all these problems and all these difficulties you, you walk through, many people feel like they're alone, you know? And, 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 and in the end, they got to realize that they're not. There's, you know, our Lord is walking through them together. This, this guy was telling me this story about how he came back to faith. And, and he says that uh, he, he, was, uh, he was living, that's a good life, not such a good life. And, and, and then he, he decided to, to, to make a move, right? And he, he's, he's, he was going through a lot of suffering. And he felt alone. He felt terribly, terribly alone. And, and then as his prayer life got better, he, 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 he found this great relationship with the Lord. And he realized one thing. In the end that as he was going through all these difficulties, he really wasn't alone. It was Christ who was giving him the strength to get through it. So, you, you know, when, when, when the night is dark, when you're scared, you know, and, and you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go, realize one thing, that you're not alone. Make the sign of the cross and realize you have someone walking right beside you. And, and, and that's what any of us would do. You're a father. I'm a father. If we knew our children were in need, we would move heaven and earth to help them, even if the only thing we could do is be with them. Come on, our Lord is a lot better father than we are. We know that he would do that and more, and he can and does. Well, as you're talking about this, I love it because you're, you're giving me a great image of someone who cares us cares about us, loves us no matter what. And then we talk about, well, okay, from this spot where we spent some considerably the time today in this program, we could spend much more to feel about how great our Lord is about us, how forgiving he is, how wanting to meet us in that silence. And then we say, yeah, but I'm just not ready to tell you who you are. And there's a, a song that my, my wife loves that comes on the radio sometimes. Let me tell you about my Jesus. <laughs> and uh, uh, sometimes she even goes, Jesus. But uh, having said that, that's really what evangelization is. I, I, I could sit here and I will sit here and I will always tell people, this is who I was. Then I, then, I, then I encountered Christ, even in my old age. And then this is who I am with Christ. This is who I am with Christ in me. I, this is wh who I am because of the Eucharist. This is who I am because of what he says to me. And this is my life where, 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 where air tastes better, food tastes better. My relationships are deeper. 
my problems are still there, but they're just not as great because I already sit with our Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me and empowers everything I do. And, and, and I'm sorry I'm going on and on, but, but I want to tell you about my Jesus. And that's what the lady at the well, just a, just a week or so ago, uh-huh. our, our Sunday had the lady at the well, right? Yeah. Jesus comes and says, give me a drink of water. She says, water? You don't even have a bucket. And this well is dry. And she, he says, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for living water. And, and he didn't say, and then maybe I'd give it to you, maybe I wouldn't. He would give you this living water and well up in a wellspring of life for you. And I guess what I'm getting at is, I want to, I'm like the lady at that well because, of, because I've met him in the silence. He's forgiven me of my sins. He's accepted me as who I am, weak, flawed, failure. And after I fail, I then just surrender. And that's what he's looking for, is the same thing that tax collector did. He, tax collector did what? He surrendered. That woman at the well was a perfect example of what we've been saying all along. So what, when, when did our Lord go and see her? In the midday. People didn't go and draw their water at the midday. Why was she there at the midday? Because she didn't want to be around any other people, because she was considered a sinful woman. But why did our Lord go there at midday? Because he met her where she was at. She was a woman who, was, who had been married five times. She was living with a man who she wasn't married to. She was an outcast, no doubt. Did our Lord wait for her to fix her life? No, he met her at the well at the hour that she was there. Not only that, but he was a rabbi. Rabbis didn't speak to women. They didn't speak to women. This was a Samaritan woman. This was a woman who, had, who was an apostate, basically. Jews didn't talk to them. What did Jesus do? Jesus spoke to her, which was huge. How often can we just speak to someone and give them a kind word? Jesus met her where she was at, in her brokenness, right? And, she, and he gave her peace. He gave her peace. You know, look, we, what we've been talking about, why wouldn't we want to share this with other people? You know, so I, I guess I'll go back to the door. Open the door a crack. You know, my, my wife is not going to ever be here on the radio. She, it's not her. She's not going to go up and sit and give talks and speeches. That's because she doesn't want to show you up. She would. And, but she, she's a, she, she teaches Spanish. She takes a literature class uh, uh, Zoom, uh, via Zoom in New York. But she, she prays every day. She has her devotion. She's, she, she, you know she's a holy woman just by seeing her, meeting her. Uh, but she doesn't say it a whole lot. Which, anyway, she's been doing this class for a while. And, and here, here's me being cynical. So last, the, the other night, she's telling me, this is Thursday night, so it's Thursday night or Friday. She's telling me about this call, and she says, yeah, the, the, the woman who leads this literature class, Spanish literature class, she says, yeah, I grew up Catholic. And I jump in right away. Oh, well, that means she's not practicing anymore. You know, I grew up Catholic. And so then I shut up. And, and, and Teresa says, she called me after the call. And she says, this is in New York. She's, and she says, I know you're Catholic. She says, I really want to come back to the church. Do you know a church in New York where I could go, where I would find some younger people? And I'm, I'm thinking, this, this has nothing to do with evangelization. This has nothing to do with faith. This is people who are trying to study literature from various parts of the Hispanic world. And, 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 and this woman calls my wife because she felt 
open to it. You know, this is us opening the door a crack. If we right? had a sound effect here, <laughs> if we had a sound effect, if you can see it, Peter's actually grabbing this door in the midair. If you can see it, Peter's pulling it open. If you could hear it, if you could hear this little screeching of the door, and you mine's can got talk, a lot of rust on the hinges. And you can hear the wind, right? Yeah. When we're talking about, are you ready? Are you called? Are you empowered? You, you know, pray. Tell the Lord don't even tell him, tell him, don't tell him, I'm, you know, just, just pray and, and know that, and believe that if he asks you to do something, you will do it. Ask him if you want, be that brave. But if the door is open, if you open it to him, he sends people your way. How? In the way that you can be best used. This woman you know, and, and, I, and I'll think of this. You know, I'm sure she's prayed. I'm sure she's looked. I'm sure she's searched. But I think at the beginning of creation, God took that lady's prayer and my, and my wife's person into consideration and said, at the moment of creation, at that moment on Thursday night, these two are going to come together, and this is how I'm going to find a way to bring you back, daughter. God's plan is already in effect. You just have to say, I'm here, ready to do it. Open it a crack, just a little crack. You're ready, you're empowered, you're called. Well, nothing, nothing that uh, this lady had ever done before, which we don't know, uh, has ever kept God from, from calling her. No, Nothing no that she, no, no impediment, no lack of study, no sin, no wandering away, no any, anything that keeps him from wanting to give her a cup of that living water that he, that he was talking about at the woman of the well. Uh, we've been story matching a little bit, but, but people might say, well, well, I, I, I'm not as articulate as Peter Kruitz, and, and I don't have that way of talking to people, and I don't know what I could say to somebody. Of course, we're just talking about, let me tell you about my Jesus. Yeah. And there was this, the, uh, the Jane Gunther, who's uh, at the Catholic Renewal Center, was, was giving a talk. And she talked about Roberta. Roberta was, was a wonderful vivacious I need lady. to know about Roberta, too. But I also need to tell you that this is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm your host, Peter Krutz, and we're here with Deacon Tom Burke. See, see, I'm a professional. I can squeeze that in so, so poignantly and, you know, slip it in. Didn't even notice and interrupt your story about Rebecca. Well, Roberta. Okay, Roberta. Well, that's right. I, and and, and <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure I didn't even don't have the name right. And it would be great if Jane was here because she could tell the story better than I could. But I can't help myself because I want to tell you about how how Roberta was telling you about her Jesus. So Jane was going to see her as a homebound person. She had been a, a vivacious hostess, a wonderful person. Restaurant. In a restaurant. And you've always seen those people, right? Where you go in and before I even order off the menu, I'm going to have a great experience. You're smiling. And, 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 and you know that that's part of the taste of the food even. And that's how this Roberta lady was. She was great with this family Italian restaurant. And, and I don't know exactly which one it was. And she now, of course, was infirmed. She had she had spent her life uh, in, in, in doing hospitality and and uh, 
Uh, Jane came to see her. And, and if I do the story wrong, I hope Jane's listening and she can call me later. <laughs> but, but Jane came to visit her to visit the homebound with the Holy Eucharist. And Roberta was, was there. But that's it. She didn't really want to talk about much of anything. She, was, uh, she, she felt spent. She was hurt by her infirmity and pain. And all that was going on. And Jane would try to have a conversation with her, and she'd get these one-word answers, you know, out of her. And, and nothing was going anywhere. So Jane came back, and, as she would, and she, she saw pictures of her, of her grandchildren. She says, who's that? Well, she, uh, Roberta kind of lit up a little bit and talked about her grandchildren. Next time Jane came back, it was, there was more pictures there. And she'd talk about some other family members. And then a couple months went by, and Jane wasn't able to come back. Jane's very busy in the Catholic Church. So she comes back. And Roberta, the way Jane relates the story, she's like three inches taller. She's <laughs> sitting up in her chair. She's like she's like lit up. And 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 Jane notices immediately. There's there's actually maybe even more pictures, but there's all these prayer cards around her. And she's like, well, what are these prayer cards? Oh, this prayer card is because of my nephew, and this prayer card is because of my niece. And I pray this prayer card for my for this that and my grandchildren. And she goes on and on and on because all of a sudden Roberta. In God's plan, because she was silent and listened for what God wanted her to do, just like the lady who called your wife, Mm, what God mm. wanted her to do, Roberta became a prayer warrior Mm -hmm. because she couldn't go out and see these people. She didn't care. Jesus doesn't care that she can't go and lay her hands on her nieces and nephews and, and grandchildren. Roberta was interceding for them. So I'm not suggesting that everybody out there become a Roberta from the same standpoint, right? God's not, that's not the mission we talked about. Sure. We all have our mission, right? My mission's different from yours in, in many ways, Peter, but we still are expanding, expanding God and telling people about my Jesus. And Roberta couldn't help herself. She had to tell Jane about her Jesus because now she had that, she'd had that renewed connection of who she was. And isn't that wonderful that, that God has something for each one of us, but he still wants us all to leave our bucket at the well, to leave our cares in this world, and to run to somebody else and say, he told me everything about myself. Could he be the Messiah? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, no, yeah, that's it. You know, and, and like you're saying, prayer is, is a mission, and prayer makes a difference. Uh, you know, I, I have a, a great friend. He's, uh, he's a priest. He's, mon- he's a Monsignor. He's retired. And I think of all the great things he did in, in his life. I mean, he was an educator. He was my teacher. He, at one point, he was my spiritual director. He, he taught drama. He put on plays. He, he, he ran parishes. He built churches. He built convents, right? He, he became the, uh, um, the, the voice on, uh, the, for the Catholic Mass uh, at, at his archdiocese. He, he was the vocation director. When he started, there were eight men uh, who had, were in seminary, not many being ordained, by the time he left a short time later, there's, and still are more men, 48 new priests in this art. He's done great things. He's old now, and he can't get around. And he lives in a two-bedroom apartment. He has his altar in the middle of, in between those two bedrooms. And you know what he does? What? He prays. And, and he says, this is my calling now to pray. And you would be, blown away if I would tell you the fruits that have come from his prayer. He did great things in this world as a priest, 
right? As a friend, as a mentor, he's still doing great things. We have a mission. Sometimes the mission changes, right? But this, Roberta? Yeah, Roberta. Roberta is doing great things. God told her what she needs to do, and she's doing it. Isn't that one of the, I don't know if you've you've spoken to a lot of people, but I got to tell you, I have heard people from literally around the world say they've prayed this prayer. Lord, tell me what you want of me and I will do it. I call it one of the scariest prayers in the world because you, you, you hear that God answers that prayer in a big way. I don't mean in a little way. I mean in a huge way. So if, if you're at that point where you're saying, I, I don't know what God wants of me, ask him. He's listening. He's going to tell you. And then, and then hang on. Well, that's just it. What would you have me do? That's that's the powerful prayer, right? And and and, it, and certainly, I I said that at at a driving range once. Uh, as, <laughs> as, as I was you can pray course. at a driving range. Yes, yes. Uh, it's easier at a driving range than it is on the golf course. <laughs> uh, if if you've ever played golf and, and hit some shankers. But having said that, uh, you know, what would you have me do? Yeah. That that's a, that's an opening to intimacy. That's an opening to stepping into it with Christ. So many times we think, well, I'll sit here until the Red Sea parts or until my, my, my chair breaks and I'm on the floor. Yeah, God will meet you on the floor too. Uh, but what a great, powerful thing to be able to turn to our Lord and go, you know, since you love me so much, I'll cooperate with you. There you go. We got like two minutes left. Let's, let's hit people with practical examples. You know, I gave you my wife. First off, crack the door, open it, and the Lord will, will make it work. Pray. I mean, p- get yourself properly disposed. Pray. Take a few minutes to, to pray. Stop. As you're going by the church, don't go by. Stop in and say hello, right? What else can you do? You can wear a T-shirt, something that has something about our Lord in it. You know what? People will see it. You, you might not have to say a word, but what will you do? You will call our Lord to their mind you may never know the difference it'll make. Wear a hat. I got a hat that was given to me by a Protestant friend of mine, a Lutheran, and it says, Catholic, founded in 33. I wear my Catholic hat a lot. When you're in a group and, or, or out to dinner or whatever, make the sign of the cross. Pray to yourself, at least, right? Everyone will see you make that sign of the cross. Don't do it because everyone will see it. Do it because you're, you're making a profession of faith. Right. And go ahead and let go ahead and let the things of Lent that you've been doing work towards you. Okay. Right relationship is where we pray and we get in right relationship with God. Right relationship with God is where we give alms and help the poor. That's relationship with someone else, seeing God in them. And right relationship in, in penance uh, is is knowing who we are not and who God is. Absolutely. And maybe lastly, people have difficulties in their life. And once in a while they'll say, would you pray for me, right? That's a great gift for someone to ask you to pray for them. Well, if they do, pray for them right then. And if they don't ask you to pray for them, tell them you will pray for them. You'll touch their heart. You'll touch their heart with just that word. So we're talking about evangelization, that big word, but we can knock it down to just little things. So please come back and see us again at the same time next week. Deacon, thank you so much for being here. Great to see you. And go out and change the world. Spread the good news one soul at a time.
are listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.